Welcome to Cambridge Stronger, where culture counts and values matter most. I'm your host, Amy Weber, and today I am joined on my podcast by Mike Curtis, the founder of Curtis Financial Services. Thanks for coming on with us today, Mike. Amy, thanks so much for allowing me to be on the show. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Looking forward to hearing all of your stories. Actually, great place to start. The way I love to start most of these interviews is ask you to tell us about your journey in our profession. How did you get started and how did you get where you are today? That's a long story. It started in, in high school. I unfortunately was one of the students that found myself married in my senior year. So my aspirations for college were kind of derailed. I needed to go to work. And after I graduated, I worked at a grocery store and found out that corporate life wasn't too good for me after being fired twice. And thank goodness, the number two person in that company liked me and would rehire me, but by that time I was getting a name. So I thought I needed to do something else, and uh, I joined Northwestern Mutual back in 1975 at age 19. And I was with them, I think, for 32 years. Oh, in 1980, I started doing a lot of retirement plans, defined benefit retirement plans for a lot of professionals and doctors, which required some good contributions. And these people said, well, where are we going to invest them? And the annuities didn't look too expiring. So I got my securities license and the business started growing. And immediately I saw the opportunity with fee-based versus commissions. And the business started to grow, and thankfully there was Cambridge. So we made the decision to jump over to Cambridge in 2006. The grass on the other side of the fence was very edible, and, and thank goodness for Cambridge, it made that transition so, so much easier than what I thought it was gonna be. So your clients basically were really fortunate that you got fired, is what I just heard. So I guess that's lesson number one, perhaps, from our session today, which is that sometimes bad things happen that turn out to set you in a direction where you're really meant to go. And that's pretty inspiring to know that you got to pick yourself back up each time and walk through doors that are in front of you, right? Well, when you start at the bottom, you know, flipping burgers is an opportunity going forward. And so I was, I, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. And it's been a good, good life. That's great. That's great. Well, we're, we're definitely fortunate to have you as a part of our family here. Your headquarters is in Muscatine, Iowa. Cambridge loves Iowa for obvious reasons, because that's where we're headquartered too. But I happen to know that you also have an office in Punta Gorda, Florida. And maybe you could spend some time talking about managing multiple locations. What are the opportunities? What are the challenges? And do you recommend others consider doing that? Has it given you some growth opportunities for your business? I don't know about the growth opportunities. It's given me a lot of clients that want to be best friends and have their meetings in Florida during those winter months. So that's been very advantageous, finding all these new friends that I have. But we haven't really had any challenges. One thing I have found with that office in Florida is that that one-hour time change, that Eastern time change versus Central, 
I lose control of time on the East Coast. I don't know what it is. I'll get up at six, and next thing I know, it's three o'clock in the afternoon, where it seems like I've got more control of the time here in Iowa, and I haven't been able to put my hand on that one there yet. But we've enjoyed it. We have a lot of clients down in Florida, so it allows us to, to see them underneath good circumstances and beautiful weather. How do your clients in Iowa, other than wanting to come visit you, respond? Are we in an environment now where, and maybe the last eight months actually propelled it even further, but where clients really don't have a concern of where you're located, where you're at when you're working with them? We were very concerned about that, on how the clients were going to sit there and approach that and and look at that. Would they would they feel that I was down there golfing and playing and, and not taking care of their needs? And it was funny because when the clients would call in, especially, you know, during the winter, and it would be 20 below outside, they'd say, hey, I know Mike's down in Florida. You know, can I have him, you know, give me a call or something? And they'd say, no, he's here. And they go, what? He, he's an Iowa? You know, what's wrong with him? I'm starting to to question his personality, you know, on that. So they accepted it very well and, and expected me to be down in, in Florida. But we generally go down there for about a month in the wintertime and then back and forth about every other month. And clients have not had any problems with it at all. They actually encourage me to spend more time down there during the winter months. I've just, I've just got great clients. That's awesome. Wonderful. So shifting gears a little bit, what would you say is the most rewarding thing for you in the workplace? What do you love doing? I don't know if it's a doing thing. It's, it's more from the aspect of that trust and bonding and friendship relationship that you develop with your clients that, that they know that they can trust you, that they can count on you, especially during a year like this that was one of a challenge for those of us that are, are active managers of accounts. It seemed like we just couldn't do anything right. The confidence that they put into you and then, then the respect that they give you and also other attributes in their lives that they feel that you can help them, you know, solve and and that you're their right-hand person to call over an attorney or over an accountant as to, you know, where to direct them and et cetera. I'm not saying giving accounting advice or legal advice. I'm saying that they basically can, they use us as a starting point. You know, I'm going to call Mike first. Yes, that's the trust of this industry, I think, what you're describing there for sure. How do you approach business planning? What are, how, how do you set your goals? And what are the biggest goals, perhaps, for you, both professionally and personally, for 2021? You know, I haven't really been an individual that, that write down goals and, and to do that checklist. My goal just comes internally. I know if I work hard and put my clients' interest first, that everything else will will fall into place. The clients will take care of you if they do have that trust and respect in you. We haven't had to market our clients. All of our external business comes from clients. I mean, telling other people. I think we've brought in an additional, 
you know, for our office here in Iowa, we're, we're happy with it, but we've been averaging about an additional 10 million to 15 million a year in call-in business that is referred to us by those clients that have so much faith and trust in us on that. What are your goals personally for 2021? Well, you know, the, 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 the personal goal is to, to keep my best friend, my wife, you know, happy and daily interested in me. So catching her off guard every day. I, if I plan anything, it's how to, how to catch her off guard when I, when I go home so she never knows what to, to expect. Like it's always the first date. So we have our fun there. We've brought in another advisor this year on a part-time basis. He's transitioning. He, he was actually a, a president of one of the local companies here, a, a large company nationwide, and uh, decided that he would leave the corporate, corporate atmosphere. He'd been a client of mine for 25 years. So he's transitioning in. He's a CEO of another company right now, taking them through some strategic planning goals. And once that's over, then he'll be in here on a full-time basis. So trying to bond him, you know, with the clients and go forward and work as a team. And that's going very, very well. So that's one goal that we had this year that's coming to uh, a good ending story there and going forward. That's a great segue. What about a support team? Who surrounds you? We are fortunate that we were able to connect with somebody that had a lot of experience in the business with trading and knew the business in a different aspect than what I know it. And so he's our right-hand person, Jason. And so my job is uh, client relationships and managing the money. And Jason is everything else that I would like never to see or touch ever again in my life. And he does a very good job with that. And then my wife, I've found that we can work together and still be married. She's just a, a great asset because she puts up with me in here. I told her, I said, your job here is to make all the clients just love the dickens out of you. And she's very, very good at that. And they do just love her. And they like coming in just to see her. As you stated earlier, it's about relationships. So it sounds like you're lucky to have her there to foster those relationships with your clients. That's wonderful. That's true. She's very, very good at that. You mentioned earlier, Mike, about figuring out early in your career the importance of advisory over commissions. When a prospective client comes in for the first meeting and you're approaching the problem solving, seeking out what their goals, what their personal goals are, what they're trying to accomplish, there's a, a planning process, right? And then that goes into your, as I said, you identified early on that advisory is where you wanted your business model to go. How do you facilitate that with that client? How do you approach the planning and advisory process with that prospective client when they're working with you? That is a good question. We generally start off with making sure that the, un the client understands that this is going to be a new, new avenue for them, a, a kind of new trip, is that we're not here to, unfortunately, talk about your trips and, and your grandchildren and, and your life. You hired us to, to manage your money. And so when you come in here, we're going to talk about that. 
we're going to make sure that you understand your portfolio, why these positions are in there, what the risks are of those positions. And so that by the third time that we're having a meeting, you're really going to have a good understanding of what is taking place in your portfolio and what we're doing to, in essence, obtain the returns that you would like to see, but more importantly, along with the risk that you're willing to accept on that. And what we have found in talking to friends that are other advisors, that when they come in, they are so informed with their portfolios that like COVID-19, when it looked like the, the investment world was gonna end for a while, we just do not get calls that, that trust. They know that we're doing it because we've laid the groundwork beforehand in informing them. And they know that if something's drastically wrong, we'll call them because we've, we've stepped forward and done that so many times. Education, right? If you educate in the early stages, it makes it manages everybody's expectations on a go forward basis. It does. It does. And, and, you know, fortunately I'm, I'm getting old, you know, I don't like mirrors and gravity anymore. They remind me of too many things that are going wrong. And I knew it was downhill when I looked in the mirror and my father was looking back that I thought, okay, this is, uh, I'm starting to be an old man. But with that comes experience. And we've been through five bad times in the market. And it's a learning process. And a lot of our clients, I would say 80% have been through those five times with us. So they knew what to expect with us from the other times that they have traveled through those times with us. That's great. The title of this podcast is Cambridge Stronger. You are a perfect example of Cambridge Stronger. What does Cambridge Stronger mean to you? And can you translate that into any advice you have for those that are considering our business? Together we grow as one, that we work as a team, and that your people and my people together can solve problems for the clients efficiently and effectively. And we always know that when we have tough times and questions that we can't answer that, that on top of that big hill where Cambridge sits, there is no hill there, but a pond, the people within inside that building are there to help us and help us succeed and to save us time so that we can be more efficient on what we're good at and they can be efficient at what they're good at. And what about advice for someone considering our business? Do you think this is in today's world a, a good profession for people to consider? Oh, if I had to go back in time, I, I never would have in, entered the insurance business. It would have been the investment business. You know, it's a unique business. We can control our time. We can sit there and use it effectively. We've got the ability to make great, great friendships and have good relationships with those people on that. And what's more important in this business is unlike in the insurance, and I saw this early on, and unlike in the insurance industry or some other ones where you work hard, work very, very, very hard, but 
then at the end of the day, you got to start all over again. It's kind of like having to sit there and meet those quotas with selling cars or, or insurance. You go through that, but then you've got to always pick up and do it again. And what I saw in this business is that your clients can take care of that issue and give you more time to sit there and be more efficient with managing their money and allow, allow you to do that while they're out there getting those new clients for you and bringing them in. So for somebody coming in to this business, there's just so many opportunities and directions that you can go from just being an advisor. You can expand out and run many multiple offices and et cetera, but there's family time for you, great relationships, uh, a feeling of, of self-worth. And you know there is some pressure, that market does bring pressure into this, but it can be managed and, and Cambridge is there to help us manage the stress that, that sometimes the markets brings bring to us and they're always there to help us. Hey, bring up a, a continuing point that comes up in these discussions and in our industry, which is that there's a perception out there, which is the opposite of some of the things you just described, which leads people to think it's an inflexible, boring business. And you're describing a very different picture, uh, hopefully inspiring some people, some of our listeners out there to give it a try because it definitely sometimes gets a bad rap and it's people like you that come on the show that hopefully give them some ideas about where they could take it, where they could take that career. So thank you. Well, one thing that's important to realize too is that when I started in that insurance business at age 19, it was all from scratch. And one thing that our business has at this point in time is the success of the other advisors that have laid all that hard groundwork and they have established those relationships. And so for some young people that are hardworking and want to succeed, a lot of that hard work is already done. The clientele is there. And so they've got a good base model to grow from and to expand out and bring in the new generation of clients, you know, from that existing clientele. And unfortunately, there's a lot of us in this business that are getting older and need talented young people to come in here and help us take that hard work that we've put forth and take it to a different level. Absolutely. Sky's the limit. So one last question, uh, your marketing expertise came out. I absolutely loved the Together We Grow As One tagline, and we might steal that from you. Is that okay? Do I have to pay you? That would, that would be fine. No, no. <laughs> it's free. I love it. I love it. Tell us about your hobbies. I know one of your hobbies has to do with water. Talk to me about your hobbies. It's getting salt off my water toys. <laughs> I do not like salt. You've been there and you've, you've seen it. <laughs> but I, I like toys. I, I unfortunately don't get to use toys. I, I've got two Harleys, I think seven automobiles and five boats. So they, they do keep me busy. And I, I think my hobby on the side is, is maintenance. I need to get rid of some of them very, very, very fast. I was 
hoping and praying that Matt was going to buy my my 68 Camaro, but that never, never took place. For our audience, that Matt is my husband, and I might have squelched that goal, perhaps. I don't know. He's much more interested right now in buying a boat, so you can give him some advice on that, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I can. I can. Perfect. Well, thank you again for joining us. This was a lot of fun, and you are Cambridge Stronger. Thanks for being a friend and a member of the family. Hey, it's it's great doing this with you, Amy. Thanks again for the invite. Enjoyed it very much. Great afternoon. Take care. Thank you for tuning in to Cambridge Stronger. I invite you to listen to my podcast episodes where I have candid conversations with genuine, inspirational financial professionals and leaders within this fiercely independent financial services industry. The best of the best, the strongest of the strongest. You can listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, iHeartRadio, and the Podbean app. If you like what you've heard, please give us a review and head on over to our blog for more content at CambridgeStronger.com. That's CambridgeStronger.com.